Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Marshallette. This is a picture of Parkway, uh, sunrise at Parkway on a Sunday morning. Now, if you've looked outside today, you know that uh, today is kind of overcast, so this was a picture of Parkway Sunday the last week or the week before. And, uh, but I didn't want you to forget what we look like. And uh, so here we are, and we appreciate the fact that uh, you uh, are worshiping with us at home, and we appreciate Parkway. We realize that it's not the building, it's the people, and Parkway, you have continued to be at church. We have had many, many reports of how Parkway people are reaching out to others, how you're taking care of one another. And while there have been many people in which we have helped in the last couple of weeks. Folks, we've gotten groceries and medicines and different things for and been able to help. Those who are willing to help far outweigh the need, and we hope that that particular trend will continue. But I'm, I'm reminded as we look at this uh, picture, Sunrise at Parkway, it reminds us of the psalmist who wrote in Psalm 30 and verse 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. These difficult days will, may last for a season of time, but there will be joy in the days to come. So let me encourage you to keep the faith, have confident hope, and keep loving one another. These days cause us to evaluate and maybe to reevaluate those things that are important priorities in our life, but the Bible tells us these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, most of my life... Have kind of been revolved around going from Sunday to Sunday, preparing for the next Sunday and kind of what I need to do in between. And now for the last three Sundays of not better news each week, I look forward to the Sunday to where we say things are looking up and things are going to be better from a health viewpoint. However, we know because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which we'll celebrate that resurrection in two weeks and Yes, I'm still praying that somehow we'll be able to be gathered together a couple of weeks from now, but we know because of the resurrection, victory over any crisis is assured. So this Sunday and uh, next Sunday, we want to be sure to bring much encouragement, and at the same time, we're going to be preparing our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. And so one of the reasons we've chosen this passage for encouragement as well as preparation, we're in John 18. I'm reading verses 28 through 38. John 18, verse 28 says this, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to them by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Now Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. 
For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? Pilate asked when he did not realize that the truth in the form of Jesus Christ was standing in front of him because the scripture says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by Him. He is the way and the only way. How many of you, over the last few weeks, you've heard rumors about what might be happening here in the future or what might be happening now, and you found out that they were not true? Now, how many of you have heard rumors about what might be and what might be happening, and you could not believe that it was true only to find out that it really was true? Well, would you say that truth is hard to distinguish? Much of the world today is asking what is truth or what is true. And many were, are without a clue to what truth is and many, maybe even most, would say that truth is different things to different people. Well, today we're going to seek to discover for ourselves real truth and how we might be able to share that truth with others. In, in addition to seeking biblical answers today, we're seeking to prepare to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, otherwise known as Easter. Now, when compared to Christmas and the number of days and the amount of money spent at Christmas, Easter is not celebrated nearly as large as the Christmas holidays. Now, as a holiday, Easter is usually a day or maybe a weekend or maybe at the most it's Holy Week, but not necessarily a month long. But we understand the event of the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ holds the greatest significance. It is the reason for which Christ is born. Now, we fully realize that we couldn't have one without the other, but it'd be hard for me to imagine. But perhaps we could celebrate Christmas, or someone could celebrate Christmas, and never really think about the cross of Christ. But Easter is something different. Well, whether you come to church or not, somewhere along the line, unless you're Jewish and you're celebrating the Passover or you're some other religion that doesn't allow you to celebrate Easter, there comes the same question that Pilate asked. Is Jesus who he says he is or who others claim him to be? Well, what do we do with the cross and the resurrection or maybe even asking the most famous question, what is truth? If you're one of the ones contemplating that question today and you're listening today, it is not necessarily our purpose to debate truth today, but to simply tell you the truth as we know it from God's Word. And by the time this service is over, it will be up to you to either accept it or reject it, but there is no ignoring the truth, as Pilate found out. As Pilate did, you might try to wash your hands of the truth. You might try not to make a decision about what you discover or find out, but it cannot be done. Now, let's be sure that we define truth Today, we know that Jesus is the truth. He is the personification of truth. The Bible says that He is the truth. We know that God's Word is our ultimate authority of anything that we can see. And so we know that God's Word is truth, and truth is defined as the good news of the gospel, as the way in which we are able to find and be able to know Jesus and have eternal life. As followers of Jesus, we are not the truth. We're not the truth. Jesus is but the truth indwells within us and we possess the truth and we are to share the truth. Now, for this morning purposes, I'm going to define you and I, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we're going to be defined as truth tellers. 
We possess that which we cannot and should not keep to ourselves. And in these days, we are to tell people the truth as defined by Jesus and in God's Word. And for Christians who have accepted the truth, we're learning to share it the best we can. And we want to look and to learn from the answers that Jesus gave to Pilate on the morning that he was crucified to discover how we are to share and to represent the truth effectively with the world. So here are some facts and things that we should know truth about truth tellers. And the, the first one is this, that we learn from God's Word. Truth tellers never argue with others about Jesus. When Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered his question with a question. In verse 34 he said, do you say this of your own accord or did others say this about me? Jesus often answered a question with a question. You might remember when Jesus was asked why his disciples picked grain in the grain fields on Sunday. Jesus asked the question of those who were asking, have you not read what King David did when he was hungry on the Sabbath? Again, when Jesus was asked why he healed a man on the Sabbath, he said, what man among you has a sheep or an oxen and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not lift it out? How much more valuable are they than sheep? Is a man than a sheep? When asked about loving thy neighbor, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, and at the conclusion of the story, he asked the question, who was the neighbor? Now, it wasn't just a clever device in order to get out of an argument, but this was a way of forcing people to look at themselves and even what their questions revealed about them. When Jesus asked the question back to Pilate, he was forcing Pilate to look at himself and asking what kind of king did he mean? In other words, if he was asking, are you asking if I am the king? Well, then you're asking if I'm a king like Caesar is king. And Jesus probably would have said, no, he's not that kind of king, but he is the king of all kings. If the question was coming from those who were Jewish, which they likely were, then he would mean, are they asking the kind of king like the Messiah foretold in the Old Testament? Although they were looking for a political Messiah, and in that case, no, Jesus was not a political Messiah. But if he was asking, are you the kind of king, the kind of king that rules hearts, well then yes, Jesus is the king of all those who believe and put their faith in him. And he's the king of the universe. Jesus being Jesus knew what Pilate meant, but he was not asking for his sake, it was for Pilate's sake. What kind of king? There were times we know that Jesus was silent during this process of what took place when he was being accused. He was silent before the high priest. He was silent before Herod. And when charges were brought before him, even there before Pilate, he was silent. And he was silent even as they led him to the cross. But now was a time to speak truth. But it was not a time to argue the truth. Most of the time, we don't like a knock on our door on a Saturday morning when we know that there's somebody out there that's wearing a tie or riding a bicycle. Or maybe somebody that comes and they are part of the Watchtower Society. You wonder how fast you might get rid of them or if you're going to answer the door at all at this kind of visitor. But i got to tell you, there have been times that I've been a little bit different. And I know most of you are thinking there's times I'm a lot different. But, but I've not always, particularly maybe when I was younger or a younger preacher, I didn't always mind seeing a person of another 
belief at the door. Used to, I would see them kind of coming down the street and I would kind of get ready. I probably wouldn't have said it this way, but I probably saw it maybe as target practice. And by the time they got to my door, kind of be ready for them. Say, how you doing? And they'd say, oh, we're from the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Have you heard of us? And I'd say, uh-huh. I've, I've heard of you. And I'm waiting. I'm just, I'm just waiting really for them to mention Jesus. But they might first ask a question like, uh, have you ever thought of what it would be like to experience heaven on earth? And I'd say, well, so I'm ready for heaven whenever and wherever it is. And the minute they mention Jesus, I'll ask them, and I'll say, who is Jesus to you? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord and Almighty God in the flesh? According to Colossians chapter 1, it says that He is the firstborn of all creation. So you take that that means that He is a created being. Well, how do I know that? Because this is not the first time. So you're not the first person I've talked to from your group. And you believe that Jesus is a created being. That's very interesting because the very next verse in Colossians 1 and verse 15 says that all things in heaven and on earth were created by Him and for Him. They would say, well, that just means that He's the first of creation, that He created the rest of the earth, and heaven is a reference to the sky and the planets and stars and stuff like that. Well, that's funny because then the very next verse says He created all that's visible and invisible, thrones, dominion, dominions, principalities, and powers. Listen, before you leave, let me help you with a couple of other things. Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, the very next verse says that He is before all things, and Him all things exist. And same book, next chapter, Colossians 2 and verse 9 says, In Him all the fullness of Godhead dwells in bodily form. Jesus never claimed divinity for Himself, you say? Well, then we have a problem. Because in John 10 and verse 30, Jesus said, I and the Father are one, claiming equality with God, that He was God. And then in John 14 and verse 9, He told Philip, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In John 8, 58, He said, Before Abraham was, I am, using the very same words in the Old Testament when God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and Moses asked, what is your name? And he said, I am. Jesus claims to be the one who is the great I am. If that's not enough, look at Philippians chapter 2 where it says, "He God hath highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. And then there's John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word is God. Jesus is God, is the Word. Wait, wait, where are you going? I've actually never gotten that far to be able to share all of that. It might have felt pretty good to maybe shoot down their beliefs and everything that I said was true, but I went about it the wrong way. A former Jehovah Witness told me one time that what happens is they go back to their church or their kingdom hall and everything that I say is explained away. And they're told to stay away from argumentative, mean-spirited Christians like me. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says this, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason of the hope that is in you. Have you heard that verse before? I've heard it before. I've used it before. Always be ready to give a defense. But somehow I have missed the last four words of that verse because it actually says, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you with gentleness and respect. I know it might be hard to believe that, uh, that I might be ready to argue or to debate, 
But could Jesus had won a debate with Pontius Pilate? Sure he could have, but he's on a mission. And even Pilate needed to understand the truth. This Resurrection Sunday, maybe more so than ever before in our lifetime, people need to know the truth. And perhaps the Lord has placed you to be alive during this time in our world, during this season, in the place in which you are in, for such a time as this, to declare your hope in the living Lord Jesus. We are for the truth. And I want to encourage you not to argue with friends or family members about Jesus or even about church or even about happenings in our world today, but encourage with gentleness and respect. Here's another fact about truth-tellers. Truth-tellers connect with others out of love. Truth-tellers connect with others out of love. We're reminded of what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, Pilate, he was a success by the world's standards. He had, but he had not discovered the truth. To him, truth was a mystery. When Jesus brought up truth and his purpose into the world, all he could ask was, well, what is truth? As if it was a question that could not be answered. Now, Pilate, as a Roman procurator or the governor of Judea, was not remembered as a very scrupulous person. He was known to take bribes and care very little for the people in which he governed. His was a political ambition. And in order for them to be able to succeed, in order for him to be able to move forward politically, he had to keep peace at all costs with the Jews, whatever it took. And he was the governor of Judea for about 10 years. But God used this time and person in history to fulfill God's perfect will. And in truth, he wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Verse 31 that we read a moment ago, Pilate said, You take him and you judge him by your laws. But because of his fear that the Jews would complain to Caesar, he put Jesus on trial. Just make sure I want you to understand the timeline of what's taking place here on Good Friday because it was on this Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified early that morning before daylight. There had already been a Jewish trial, which was already illegal by Jewish law. And then early that morning, right at sunrise, they took Jesus to Pontius Pilate to the Roman headquarters known as the Praetorium in the original language. And they wouldn't go inside the headquarters because they felt that it caused them to be unclean if they went into the quarters or the residence of a Gentile. And so they stayed outside. They wanted to be able to participate in the Passover, which pointed to Jesus, but at the same time they were trying to kill Jesus. So Pilate comes outside and he has that conversation with the chief priest to where they're accusing him of blasphemy, accusing him also of political turmoil and wanted to, wanting to be king. Then Pilate, after this discussion outside, then takes Jesus again inside to the praetorium, inside to his headquarters. And there Pilate asks the question, what have you done? Jesus begins to give Pilate a glimpse of his kingdom by telling him that it is not of this world. And Jesus said, if I had wanted to fight, 
I would have thought. The disciples would have thought. Peter already had a sword earlier. He was ready to fight. The crowd at one time earlier in the week on that Palm Sunday when the triumphal entry and the crowd was there waiting, watching Jesus come in, riding on the colt of a donkey, declaring that he was king and that he was Messiah, though they were looking for a political Messiah. But that crowd, which could have numbered in the hundreds of thousands, probably would have thought, would have thought. 5,000 men who were fed on the hillside near the Sea of Galilee sought to make Jesus king. He could have started a nice-sized army with little trouble, but that was not his intention. Not to mention that he could have called 10,000 times 10,000 angels to come with drawn sword, and they could have fought. But Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Well, I want us to be able to be sure that we understand some of the basics of God's kingdom that Jesus is revealing here. One of those is that today we know that Jesus has conquered sin and death, and he's captured hearts. Sin and death were conquered on the cross when Jesus took our sins to the cross. And we know that Jesus rules in the hearts of all those who put their, place in, put their faith in him. This makes for a powerful kingdom, more powerful than any kingdom of this world. A king or a government can capture a people. But a kingdom ruled by force does not necessarily capture the hearts of men and women. The land of Palestine was taken over by Rome as well as most of the known world, but the Jewish people hardly considered themselves Romans. But imagine a people whose hearts are wholly behind the king and serve at his pleasure. That's a powerful kingdom. Another basic, and there's three of them I have for you here. In the future, Jesus will destroy all evil and fully establish his kingdom. Today we live in a fallen world and we see the results. COVID-19 is a part of the results of living in this fallen world. And as long as we have freedom to choose Christ or not to choose Christ, there will be some who will choose evil. But with the second coming of Christ, the kingdom of Christ will be established once and for all. And the third basic of God's kingdom is this. God's kingdom is not of this world, but it is alive, well, and working in our world. That is the purpose of the church. The kingdom which is not of this world is not based on force, but based on love. We're to speak to people with love and respect because we have something greater than an army. It is the love of God. The Apostle Paul once said, I cannot help but preach and speak about Jesus to you because the love of God compels me to do so. Speak truth to people with love and respect and it melts hearts and it motivates action. It moves people to be to where they can experience Jesus. Here's another fact about truth-tellers. I think we learned from this passage. Truth-tellers accept people as they are and offer an invitation. It's about two and a half weeks ago that I thought was terrible, terrible news when I found out that there would be no NCAA March Madness and no SEC Tournament. Boy, I thought that was terrible news. Of course, we have found out that there's much bigger things to deal with. But I remember a story that I read a couple of years ago. A taxi driver by the name of Al Gutierrez found six Final Four tickets to the NCAA tournament and $10,000 in cash in his taxi cab in 10s and 20s in a blank bank bag with no identification. Now, what would you do? You found six 
NCAA Final Four tickets and $10,000 and there's no identification at all. He'd been shuttling people back and forth from hotels to the tournament. In an interview with him, it said it never crossed my mind to keep it. He searched till he found the owner. He said, everybody he knows said that he was crazy. And he said, well, but what example is that for my kids? Well, what will you do? What will you do with a treasure that is more precious than silver, more beautiful than gold? What will you do with the truth? Will you keep it for yourself? Read with me again verse 37. We read it earlier. It says, Then Pilate said to him, So are you a king? Jesus answered, You say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate may not have had a complete understanding of what Jesus said in verse 37, but these are very significant words. Jesus said, I was born revealing his humanity. He said, for this reason I came into the world. He existed even before the events in Bethlehem, proclaiming that he is eternal Lord who comes to save sinners. And Jesus said, everyone, not just the disciples, not just the Jewish people, but everyone who is of the truth hears his voice. This was an invitation. Same as Acts chapter 2 and verse 21 where it says, And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it's an invitation for today. And the invitation for today is twofold. There's an invitation to salvation. That is, living with Jesus on earth and, all, and for eternity. And for all who need Jesus, for anyone who may be listening today, it's an invitation for you and I, just as it was an invitation for Pilate that day. It's an invitation to accept the truth about Jesus. And it's an invitation for sanctification. That is, those of us who are believers to live with godliness, be like Christ with purpose. Salvation is to complete the day that we accept Christ, but sanctification is a process whereby the Lord is working on us and in us every day. Yes, I believe this was an invitation even for Pilate to accept the truth. Even the one who was to pass the sentence would push Jesus on the cross was invited to hear and to follow the voice of Jesus. Like Jesus would accept people where they are we're to invite them to come to know Him. Well, here's another fact about truth-tellers. Truth-tellers will increase their passion. Truth-tellers will increase their passion in two areas. Now, we know passion means a conviction or an excitement for something. It's a desire that leads to action. And there are two areas that if we're going to grow in Christ and we're going to bring people to Jesus, these two areas where we need to be passionate. You and I, we, we're not there yet because we're still imperfect, we're still growing, we're not in heaven yet. We need to have a passion for truth and a passion for people. A passion for truth means to have a passion for the truth found in God's Word and a passion for Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. While the Jews could carry out their own trials and their own laws as long as they did not violate Roman law, Roman, verse 31 says that when they're asked by Pilate, why don't you judge Jesus by your own law? Their answer was, it's not lawful to put anyone to death. Well, that wasn't exactly true. Stoning was allowed according to Jewish law. 
But John clearly writes in verse 32 that we read that Jesus' prophecy was being fulfilled by what manner of death he would die, and his words were true. Our conviction about Jesus and all of the Word of God must increase and grow. The truth about Jesus is he is the way and the only way. No one comes to the Father. No one makes it to heaven except through him. If that's not your conviction... I mean, you believe, well, maybe there's another way. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. There are a lot of religions out there. Who's to say that, that we're right? Or maybe you believe that truth is relative. I mean, what's true for you may not be true for me, may not be true for someone else. If this is your idea of truth, you're likely to have difficulty facing this crisis with faith. A lack of passion for truth found in Jesus and found in the Bible leads to a weak spiritual life and an ineffectiveness of being used to further the kingdom. We must grow in our passion for truth. But the other passion is also important. A passion for people. A love for people who need Jesus. To love others just like Christ loved us. Now, compassion simply means with passion to truly care for people and their needs. It was a passion that caused Jesus to stand trial before Pilate and others and suffer and give his life on our behalf on Calvary's cross. We become more like Christ the more we have a passion for loving other people. And we need to understand that these two passions need to be in full force. Both passion for truth and a passion for people. They need to both be growing to have a passion for truth but not to have a passion for people will lead to legalism and condemnation, judging others, religion without relationships, much like the religious leaders who handed Jesus over to Pilate. To have a passion for people and not have a passion for the Word of God nor the truth found in Jesus leads to sentimental misdirection or ignorant hypocrisy to perhaps well-intended but misguided help which will lead to destruction. But listen, a church and a people who will cultivate both a passion for truth and a passion for people will find themselves firmly planted in the center of God's will and seeing God at works in ways in which we have yet to dream. So let me ask you this morning, which are you stronger in? A passion for truth or a passion for people? Which place do you need to grow? Do you think that Pilate believed the truth about Jesus? I'm going to make an outlandish statement and I'll give you permission to disagree with it. I think and I believe that Pilate believed that Jesus was telling the truth. We read through verse 38 a moment ago. If you still have your Bibles open, we actually just read the first part of verse 38 where Pilate said, what is truth? But look at the last part of that verse. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Look at the next chapter, chapter 19 and verse 2. And it says, And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. Skip down to verse 4. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Look at verse 6 of chapter 19. It says, when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Do you see a pattern taking place? And then in verse 12, 
From then on, from then on, Pilate continued, sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Then Pilate did one last thing. The place on the cross where they put the criminal's crime, he placed the sign above Jesus in three languages, the king of the Jews. The Jewish leaders complained, don't say that he was the king of the Jews, say that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. Then Pilate said, O Grapha, Grapha, what I have written, I have written. Yes, I'm making the suggestion. He believed Jesus was telling the truth. He may have even believed that Jesus was really said who he says he was, but there's no evidence that he placed his faith in Jesus. So many today, I fear, who know the truth about Jesus may even believe that Jesus is the truth, but have yet to place their faith in Jesus or there's little evidence that they have. Well, which leads to the question for us, can you handle the truth? The writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Well, it's a sobering truth that unless, until Jesus comes again, and we know that he is coming again, but until that time, all of us will die from this earth. And according to this verse, after that comes the judgment. Aren't you thankful for commas in the Bible? Like in Romans 6.23 where it says the wages of sin is death. It's not a period, but it's a comma. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice after the word judgment, there's a comma there. In Hebrews 9 and verse 28 says this, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for Him. Oh, you want to place your faith in Jesus if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to be able to handle the truth found in God's Word. And those of us who are believers, can you handle the truth? Now that you found and you know the truth found in Jesus, how will you handle it? What will you do with it? What do we do with the truth? He is our motivation for getting up in the morning. We want to walk worthy of the calling of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now's the time to find open doors and creative ways to share the truth. It was the year 1866, and there was a cholera outbreak in England, and in particularly in London. Many were sick and ill, and many were dying wondering when this would end and what would be happening next. Not so much unlike what we were facing, though it was in a smaller area. Charles Spurgeon, the one called the Prince of Preachers, he was a preacher in London. And he gave this charge to pastors and to other Christians. He said, And now again is the minister's time, and now is the time for all you who love souls. You may see men more alarmed than they are already. And if they should be, mind that you avail yourselves of the opportunity of doing them good. You have the balm of Gilead when their wounds smart poured in. 
You know of whom who died to save. Tell of him. Lift high the cross before their eyes. Tell them that God became man and that man might be lifted to God. Tell them of Calvary and its groans and cries and sweat of blood. Tell them of Jesus hanging on the cross to save sinners. Tell them that there is a life for a look at the crucified one. As we're doing in these days, the invitation is open for you. While we're not asking people to come down the front, we are asking that if the Lord is leading you to make a decision to accept Christ, if you want to pray with one of us, if you have questions of faith or simply want to talk to somebody, you certainly can do that. You can email us. You can call us. Let us know of your needs. But we're thankful that you've come today. Bobby Jones is going to come with some housekeeping things, and he is also going to close us out in a word of prayer.